Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week we welcome Shay Hammond. Shay is only 20 years old and plays soccer for the United States Paralympic National Team. And he has cerebral palsy. And we talk about the obstacles he faced as a child and as an adult and the incredible work that he's done. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello. Hi, nice to meet you face to face. Yeah, I'm... I'm really excited. I've been geeking out about this because I've been wanting a professional athlete on the podcast for a very long time. And I am so, so grateful for you because this is so cool. I hope you know how big of a deal you are. (laughs) You're too kind. And thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I definitely want to hear your full story because you're only 20 years old. So you're really young. And you've done so many things with your life already that are just incredible. And I know some people might not know who you are. They might not know about soccer. So you have cerebral palsy, which means from, for, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it means that most people had a stroke in utero. And I think there's also a case where you might have a stroke during birth. Correct. Right. And so for you, that affects the left side of your body. Correct. Got it. So I had read somewhere that your parents didn't know this, which seems very common, you know, even nowadays that parents have a child and they notice that maybe they're a little slower developmentally for walking and doctors are kind of like, meh, it's fine. Just wait, wait, wait. And then finally a doctor is like, oh no, 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 they have CP. So how did, how was your childhood reshaped once you found out that you had CP? Cause you were, you weren't a baby. You were kind of a young kid, right? Yes. Yeah. So you were spot on and it's very common where people just think, oh, it's nothing much. He's a little bit slower at this, this, and this. Uh, the big thing that was in my family was that I was the fourth of five. I have three older half siblings and one younger brother as well. And so they didn't really think too much of it. He's the fourth one. My mom actually thought it was a dream because wherever she put me, I wouldn't go anywhere. I didn't move. I didn't want to crawl away. I didn't want to go exploring because if I did, I would just go in a circle. So yeah, it was just kind of swept under the rug in a way where it was just, just never give it a second thought. And it wasn't until I got older and it started to become more apparent that I was struggling to do basic things that my parents were finally like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's take him to the doctor. And the doctor again was also going to say, oh, he's just got tight legs. But then when my mom also mentioned that my hand and my arm showed some sort of effects, that's when the doctor said, oh, you need to see a neurologist. You need to go see a neurologist right now. It's interesting that when babies are born, that they don't also do all these types of things, like it shouldn't, it should be pretty common that you have a baby and they get checked out by all the doctors under the umbrella, just so that parents know what's happening. And that way you're not like six years old and your parents are finding this new thing out where they could have, if they had known, helped you earlier in your life. Yeah. You you would think it would be a little bit basic procedure just to go through a couple of the more common uh, test, I would say, would definitely be more beneficial. And also just for identifying as well, rather than late 
recognition because cerebral palsy, there's no cure for it. But the longer you, the more and longer time you spend uh, correcting it through physical therapy and whatever, whatever um, forms of treatment you want to choose, the more effective it's going to be. So for me, I started at six years old, but the fact question mark remains, would it have been more effective if I had started at five years old? Would it have been more effective if I started at four? And so at such a young age, were you already involved in sports? Yes, yes, to the best of my ability. So again, it was very difficult to run, walk, do basic things when I was that age. And, but the thing is, my dad is a soccer coach. He's been a soccer coach for 30 plus years. So longer than I've been alive. So obviously his son was going to play soccer from the earliest of ages. I mean, I remember my first blanket had a soccer ball on it and I was raised with a soccer ball in my hand and then my feet. So I did my best, but the issue was I fell over a lot. So if I started running, I'd fall over. If I started to kick a ball, I'd normally fall over, end up on the ground at many times during the game. And my knees would be covered in scrapes, bruises, grass, what, whatever, whatever was there. And yeah, it was just, it was more, I tried to play soccer, but kind of how it went for me and many other kids like me. Yeah. I'm curious how that affected and if it affected at all your self-confidence at such a young age. It didn't, it didn't. So at such a young age, I didn't really understand what was happening I remember the teacher's aide asking me why I couldn't tie my shoes in the second grade. And I said, I have cerebral palsy and I can't really use my left hand for much dexterity or much fine motor skills. So that included tying my shoes was really difficult. So I always wore Velcro or whenever I had wore laces shoes, I had the teacher's aide tie them for me. That was all I would say, because that's all I really knew what it was. I just said, oh, I have cerebral palsy, but I couldn't even pronounce it. I would just say, sir, but all I knew was palsy. So I went from that on and self-confidence wise, it just kind of stung always being last pick or always knowing I couldn't run as fast as the other kids. And especially when I'm playing soccer, guess what? You're not, you're not going to play more than two minutes in the game. And that's if we're winning, that's the age of eight, nine, 10, that starts in club soccer. Um, But I was just thankful to be there. And what I am thankful for is that it also gave me that sense of, I don't want to stay in this position. I want to get equal to you guys, to everyone who was uh, excelling faster than me. And then I want to be better just to show you all, yeah, I can do that better than you can too. So that's kind of where my mentality developed a sense of ultra competitiveness. And I just went for it. I love it. I mean, good for you showing them who's the boss because it's true. It's also, I feel like even now, not so common with, with so many different developmental variations, I feel like people still don't know a lot about the majority of them. On some of the episodes, I've talked about Down syndrome, CP, and people still are like, oh my God, I didn't know what that was or that it it existed. And it's kind of an, what are we teaching in the schools also about equality and inclusion? Because just because you're in the school you should be equal to everyone and there should be accommodations if needed. So it's, it's a very interesting thing that even in 2020, I mean, there's still so many things that we're dealing with in 2022, but it's an interesting thing that it's still just not super common. I actually wrote a paper on this uh, last year in college about why we should have disability education in youth schools because cerebral palsy is actually one of the most common child 
uh, physical disabilities. Yet whenever I say, oh, I have cerebral palsy, the only time people really go, oh, I know what that is, is if they are, say, in the medical field or they're studying medicine or if they maybe knew someone else with it. And even then, if they already know what it is, most people just assume it's a wheelchair bound impairment. And they don't realize what people with cerebral palsy are also capable of, and that they all can be completely different ranges. You can be wheelchair bound, but you can also be a high functioning, high level athlete. That's the other thing that I like to really get out there when I do these things is there are terms and it's an umbrella, just like autism, just like CP, just like any, any kind of thing, there's different categories under that. And there's a spectrum. And so just because you're in a a wheelchair doesn't mean that you can't play sports. Doesn't mean that you can't be a lawyer. Like, doesn't mean that you're anything less just because you're in a wheelchair and you can't potentially walk like other people, but people don't know about that accessibility in schools. It's just, it's, crazy that even now people that have like physical differences don't have access to ramps in schools or, you know, like things that are just so simple in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And even with highly functioning individuals with disabilities as well, they still may need those accommodations, but they're not seen to, they're not seen to need them. So for me personally, I use a handicapped parking pass very frequently. Not every time, but I use it very frequently. And people say, oh, but you don't need that though. You can walk fine. And I always say, it's not about the walking itself. It's about the exhaustion that, brings to, that, that it brings. Because for me personally, walking a distance of 10 meters versus 50 meters is a huge difference for my overall daily energy level. And as an athlete, I want to maintain as much energy as I can to put into my workouts, to put into my training, to put into whatever else, and not have to exert myself beyond, beyond what I should be doing elsewhere. So if saving five, 10 steps to the parking lot uh, is possible, I do that. And that also includes elevators, escalators. I remember middle school, there was one elevator in the entire building, and it was a massive couple thousand kid building. And I would be late to class because I chose to take the elevator a lot of times instead, because walking up flights and flights of stairs is just absolutely raining. Right. People don't realize that people with physical disabilities, especially cerebral palsy, use, use two to three times the amount of energy that most people do, that most yeah. able-bodied people do. I'm going to get to the soccer in a second, but you're, you're in college now. Yes. And how do you feel that your college, um, you live on campus or like relatively close to campus? Yeah. I, live, yeah. I live just off campus, about a mile or two away from campus. Got it. How do you feel your school does with accessibility? It's improving because I love Clemson. I absolutely love Clemson. I go to Clemson University. It's I couldn't be happier there. But nowhere is perfect. Nowhere in the United States is perfect. I'm never going to say that nowhere in the United States is perfect. What I will say is I have been very active in the improvement for uh, people with disabilities on campus. Uh, I've interacted a lot with the Office of Accessibility Services and kind of outlining, hey, this could use some improvement, this could use some improvement, this could use some improvement. And what I love is that they listen to me. They're very, very, communic- uh, very, very good at communicating with me. Hey, we hear you. We didn't even recognize this. So we thank you for bringing it up. And the facilities that are in place are helpful. Yes, could we use a new elevator here and here, here and there? Yes, could this be a little bit more accessible? 
But the thing is where we are now is at a very good level. And I love Clemson, but again, everywhere could be improved. I personally live just off campus. So I commute. And like I said, I use a handicap parking pass. And thankfully there are a decent amount of handicap parking spaces near almost every building that I go to. So I don't really have too much difficulty there. And I know there are a lot of new renovations happening. So there are new elevators being put in and new buildings being built, which is very helpful. And Clemson campus itself is a very inaccessible campus in certain parts, just because of its geographical location. It's one of our sayings is quite literally, there's something in these hills. Problem is when you have a disability and you're walking up a bunch of hills, they don't exactly go together. So it's these little things. But again, there's all sorts of different things that are there for Clemson students with disabilities to take advantage of. So for instance, I was asked if I needed to be transported around campus via the shuttle, would there be a special shuttle available? Absolutely. Uh, there's so many different things that Clemson offers. But again, like I said, there's always room for improvement. And that's what I try to do as a very active student in that. Yeah. And it sounds like at least it, there's progress. And obviously, certain things like getting a new elevator takes a lot of money and a lot of time. And so like some things aren't going to happen with the blink of an eye, but at least it's showing that they actually care about their students and accessibility and they're working with you. So at least you've got that because I know living in New York City, like we don't always have schools that are accommodating and it's it's just such a pity. It's just really sad and unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. because the big thing is as well that I focus on is people don't listen to the people that need it. Because if an able-bodied person is saying, oh, but well, we don't need an extra elevator, we already have one. Well, what if this person is saying, hey, maybe we do need another one. Maybe we do need one that's bigger than one or two people because my wheelchair is bigger than that. And the most important thing that we as a society, not just Clemson, but everywhere can do is just listen to the people that are affected and not let people that aren't impacted by these certain things make those decisions. You can't have someone in a wheel, not in a wheelchair making those decisions for someone in a wheelchair. Yeah, I, there's just certain things that I will never understand. And I'm not thinking of, no matter how much I'm trying to make things accessible, there are certain things that I just won't ever know or understand. And so I have to listen to the people that are telling me from their experience. So I'm glad that they're really accommodating. Now I'm gonna transition to the soccer because so geeked out about this. I started watching the women's national team like a few years ago and now I'm like ridiculously obsessed with them. So I was really excited to find out about you. And I've known about you as a soccer player for about like two years. And you started playing soccer when you were really young. And your dad is obviously very big in the, in the industry. And then you were discovered by the national team at 13. Is that right? Sort of. I discovered the national team at 13. Okay. Okay. So it's, that's a slight difference is because in the para soccer game, I call it's para soccer or Paralympic soccer, however you want to phrase it. I say para or Paralympic soccer. Uh, Back in 2015 and way before that, it wasn't a household name. It still isn't. But it wasn't everywhere. It wasn't on the U.S. soccer channels very frequently. It wasn't being on ESPN or anything like that. And it still is very, very rarely. There are articles here and there. So we're making progress. But back then, 
with the way new players were found were if they somehow found out about the team. And for me, my parents were both actually it was very, very weird that at the same time they stumbled across the same article in the BBC. Pretty sure my mom found it first. So pretty sure she found it first and they go together and they say, Hey, us Paralympic team qualifies for the Rio Paralympic games, Paralympic soccer. What is that? They looked into it and they said, wait, cerebral palsy stroke TBI shake qualifies. And it was kind of one of those moments where it's like, okay, is this an actual thing? Is this, possible here and the process was and still kind of is email the head coach Stuart Sharp my now current head coach and he'll ask you to send a video of you playing soccer so he'll give you a list of things that he wants to see passing a ball running shooting uh, kicking long distances all that sort of stuff and if he likes what he sees he'll invite you to a camp so I was 13 years old when I first found out about the team it was over the summer of 2015 And when Coach Sharp asked for my video, I was at sleepaway camp with my dad and my whole club soccer team. I'll never forget it. It was was our preseason camp. We went away, sleepaway camp, fun time, soccer every day, all that. So we said, let's film the video here because we'd gotten the email. Okay, we'll do it here. We have the field, we have the space. So we set up the field. We had all the cones set out for all the different drills, the passing, dribbling, shooting, the chipping, all that. And I shot my video. I still have it on my phone. It's old and grainy but I still have it with my hair that went down to my shoulders oh my gosh uh, oh my goodness and I sent my video in Uh, this had to have been in August I would say it was end of July August and then in I want to say September or so I got an email back saying I was invited to a training camp that would take place in October November of 2015 in Carson, California. That was my first ever training camp. So I technically discovered the Nash, the US para team. And then at my first camp, that was where I made my first impression. Did you ever dream of this all happening? Yeah. I mean, yes. I dreamed of being a professional soccer player my whole life. Growing up playing soccer, growing up doing all that. I mean, every kid who does a sport competitively at any level dreams of being a professional they have that idea of oh who's going to be on my wall who's going to be on my wall or who am I going to be like is it going to be Cristiano Ronaldo is it going to be Christian Pulisic is it going to be whoever and for me it was just I want to be me but I want to be a professional soccer player for my favorite team Arsenal over in England that's who I uh, follow and that's who I wanted to play for but obviously always your country as well but I mean, I never would have imagined that I could have that opportunity growing up because, I mean, sitting on the bench and being one of those last players always picked. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was something that I always dreamed of when I was younger. It's just thinking back on it. Wow. Gosh. That's amazing to just have that discovery. Kudos to your mom. Got to give credit to her. I mean, credit to your dad too. But in this case, we're going to give it more to mom. So you get to camp you make your impression, you're still 13 years old, and then you're the youngest person on that team, right? When you make the team, you're only 16. Yes, that's a bit of a time jump. Okay. Um, That's okay, totally fine. Yeah, no, there's a big time jump in between everything that happens. So I'm 13 years old at my first camp, and I'm training hard, I'm I'm doing well. But again, I'm 13 years old. I don't even think I hit puberty yet. Quite literally. And I'm 
thrown into the team and I'm playing in the drills, I'm doing well, I'm complete completing passes. But again, if I'm going up shoulder to shoulder against one of the normal starting guys, I'm getting thrown away. Like they have 150 pounds, two, two, almost 200 pounds on me in some instances. So yeah, I couldn't physically compete, but I showed enough um, ability and smarts with the game itself that like, hey, once he actually does hit puberty, we'll see what he looks like. So after 2015, my camp, my coach sat me down and he said, hey, Shay, listen, you're 13 years old. We'll bring you back down the road and we'll see how you progress. And if you work hard, you can earn a spot on this team because every single one of these guys is fighting for that jersey. So how hard are you willing to fight to get that jersey from one of them? Because they're not going to give it up easy. So that comes down to you. So I went home and I went, yep, I want that jersey. I want to see my name on the back with whatever number. I'll go and see the USA on the front of the shirt and I'll go at it every single day. So I went home and I went training right back into my normal thing. But my competitive mindset of not just wanting to be, oh, equal to all these people or better than my current teammates, I now went, I want to be the best Paralympic player in the United States. That's where my mindset went there. I went, I can do this. I went at it and I trained and I trained and I trained. And then I got hurt multiple times. Oh no. I actually had a stress fracture in my back, my L5 vertebrae during my first camp that I didn't even know about. Oh no. It was just, I just assumed it was just regular back pain, but it turns out I had a stress fracture in my L5 vertebrae. And then, so I got that treated for months and months and months. And then I came back and I was getting ready to go into my high school season, my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going into my freshman year of high school, I'm doing preseason, I'm training with the big boys, I'm all good. And I make what's called flex team which is I train with the varsity, but I play minutes with the JV. Because again, even in high school, I'm still one of the smaller, weaker guys because I haven't had that strength and equal development, especially on my left side. So of course I couldn't keep up. I could naturally play soccer very well, but again, I couldn't physically take that high school demand. Uh, So I play with the JV. And unfortunately, JV teams don't always play on the best fields. So I was a few games into my first season as a freshman, and I was making a run down the left-hand side and I hit a, I may have been kicked, but I hit a rough patch and my left, my right leg hyperextended in my, in my knee. And I tore everything, everything except my ACL. Knock on wood, that never oh, happened. Okay. But I tore my meniscus, my uh, MCL, just everything in my knee, blew it out. It was not pretty. And this was 10 days before I was going to be invited back to my next USA camp just to take another look at me, you know, and see how I was progressing. And nope, I was not going. So that, that, was, the, that was a big time jump between um, the 2015. And this was in, I want to say, uh, was this? I think this was 2016 or 2017. I believe it was 2016, about a full year later or so. Because I was, I was 15, 14. I don't remember exact dates. I just remember it was the fall of my freshman year of high school. And it was not fun. It was not fun. But again, just another obstacle in my way of, hey, I want this. What am I going to do about it? And from what you're talking about, when I was the youngest player on the team, when I was 16, that was when I made my competitive debut. But that wasn't until 2018. So there's still years in between that as well, which is 
funny. I don't want to talk too much, but I don't know how much, how, if you mind, but there's just a lot of space to fill in. Yeah. Up to you. Story. I'm, I'm all yours. So if you want to yeah. go for it, what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but in between 20, in between my injury, my knee and 2018, I still had to make an impression again, still right. had to show that I could do it. So I was invited back when my knee was healed. I was cleared on March 25th of 2017 from my knee, from my knee injury. So it was 2016 that I was injured. 2017 was when I was cleared. And on March 25th, I flew out to my neck, my second camp, unfit, unready, not in a position where I should play with the national team. This was honestly my own fault. I do not blame anyone but myself. I should not have gone to that camp. I was just turned 15 years old. So I'm still the youngest guy there. And I have just come off six months of not playing, not doing anything in a knee brace, not feeling good, unfit, could barely run. Yeah. It was just a whole list of everything. Yeah. But that was the starting point. And thankfully coach saw me at that starting point because it was bad. Yeah. A few months later in June of that year, he invited me back to another camp, which was in Chicago. The first one was in Florida. The next one was in Chicago, which was in June. And there I showed a big jump. So I was from here and then I went all the way up here from March to June because I had time to recover. I had time to get back playing. I had time to get more fit. Thankfully, I impressed in Chicago. And in Chicago was where he selected a team to go to Chile for just some challenge matches, some friendlies to get, get some games under our belt, get some games under the team's belt because the world championships would be that fall. So get ready for the world championships. It's kind of a tune-up. And the weirdest, weirdest thing happened. I was home. I have pictures from that day. Of, I had just come home from school. My dad says, what's your plans for two weeks from now or two, three weeks from now? And I go, uh, I, I get out of school, so I got nothing planned. And he goes, well, how about a trip to Chile? Because he got the emails, not me, because I was still a minor. Right. He got all the emails. I didn't. And he showed me the email and I had been selected to go to Chile. Chile. And I was over the moon. I was 15 years old going to play in a foreign country for the United States of America for the first time ever. What? Goosebumps. I, I have, I have pictures of that day of my reaction. I mean, I could pull them up right now. I mean, it was just, of just like, I remember bent over just hugging my brother. Like I'm going to Chile to go play. I didn't care if I played one minute, 60, a million. I was just going for an experience. And that's really why I was invited though, because I was invited for the experience of traveling abroad, of playing with a team, suiting up and learning about it. And I give so much credit to my coach, Stuart Sharp, for helping me through the entire process from 13 years old to now, where I'm able to do a little bit more on my own, but him managing my development and my working my way into the team. I mean, it couldn't have gone better in my opinion. I went on that trip and I just trained again. It was another training camp, but this time in a foreign country. So my only thought every single time I went out there was I just need to do the basic things. Just don't be the one that kills the drill. Don't be a drill killer. Don't be that guy that they go, oh, Shea has the ball now. Or, oh, I'm on Shea's team or anything like that. You don't have to be the best player, but just don't be, obviously don't be the worst player, but just don't be someone who doesn't fit in. Make sure you fit in. That was my goal. So I went there. We had two games. I didn't play in the first game. And then the second game in the 60th minute, because para games are 60 minutes, one of the Chilean players got hurt. 
And Coach Sharps goes, Shay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because you can only make subs on three different stoppages. And we had made all our stuff, we had made all our subs in those stoppages, but we still had one sub left. So coach gets me over. I get my jersey on real quick. I run over and, he, and coach goes, ref, can we make a sub? And the ref just kind of went, sure, go ahead. So I come on. It is a dimly lit pitch in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of Santiago. And I run on the field and I'm, he says, just chase the ball. And you got two minutes, chase the ball, go. And I run on and I'm running around and I'm chasing the ball. I take a throw in and whistle blows full time. I'm on there for maybe 90 seconds, maybe 90 seconds. But it's my first game. My first game. I played in. A, I played in an international game at 15 years old for the national team. For the U.S. <laughs> team, it was. I have pictures in my jersey. I. It was unbelievable. My dad was there. He flew down to watch just for that 90 seconds. He flew down just to watch, just for that. And my parent, my other parents would have. My family would have if it wasn't obviously such a long and expensive flight. Um, but it was just one of those things. Like, wow. And that was another moment where it kind of clicked for me as well. Where it's like, yep. I want this. I know that I want this and I still want this and I'm going to wear this Jersey consistently. So I was, I went back afterwards and still training, 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 training. I didn't get invited back for months. I didn't make the team for the, for the world championships, which I got because I was 15 years old. The next youngest guy after me was, I want to say just graduated high school. I think something like that. Yeah. They just graduated high school was the age. Um, so they were young as well, but obviously not 15 years old young. And I just went on and on and on and on. And when I finally got invited back, it was time to show that, hey, I had matured and I'm working hard and I can make this team. So as I got invited back, I, it, was, it was the camp in March of 2018. This is kind of where I call my real turning point with the national team. And this is where I'm kind of catching up to what you said about 2016. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going on and on and on. I'd rather just answer questions and stuff like that, but I'm just filling in the gaps. Oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm all good. I'm geeking out. Go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me share. It's very nice. Yeah. And then I just kind of, it was there. It was in Clemson University, funny enough. That's where the camp was. And it was the week that I turned 16. And one of the traditions at camp actually is you have to sing a song on your birthday if you if your birthday's at camp if your birthday happens on at camp. So I sung "Great Balls of Fire" by Jerry Lee Lewis. You know the song "Top Gun." Sung that at, at dinner that day on the twenty second. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, that camp I was moved with the with the senior team and coach was like, "All right, he brings something. It's not again. He's not." going to be the star guy or anything like that yet but he brings something to the team that we can use and we can utilize and it's not a drill killer it's not just a 15 16 year old kid someone who can play with this team so he invited me back to the next camp and the next camp and the next camp and every single camp I got invited back to my mindset was always just do it simple work hard and give them a reason to bring you back don't give them a reason to not bring you back, give them a reason to bring you back. And I just got invited to every single camp of that year in 2018. And finally it was approaching the time of the Copa America, which was our tournament that year. And it was our last camp before that. And I asked to meet with coach just beforehand. And I said, Hey coach, just wanted to thank you so much for this year. I really appreciate it. You really helped me develop more. I felt like I grew, grew a lot. I wish that you and the team so much luck at the, at the tournament, just, um, 
I'll be watching, of course. I was very excited. And the coach sits me down. He goes, oh, well, I can tell you this now because it's two weeks away. Because it was two weeks away. He goes, you made the team. You're, you're coming with us. Because <laughs> you, you didn't think that you made it at all. You no, were like, good luck, all. peace out. I'll yeah, be watching, was, rooting. No, I, I didn't think I made the team. I was, I, of course, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, I, I maybe make that last spot. Or it depends on how, who he brings. Because it always depends on so many different things, how it works, how the, how the teams are constructed. And when I finally, when he told me that, I remained calm. I was like, thank you, coach. Thank you, coach. Thank you, coach. As soon as, as soon as he said, as soon as he, the meeting was done, I walked in the other room and it's just one of those yeah. fist bumping, jump in the air, call my parents, call my dad, call my mom, brother, everyone just kind of said, we're going to Ecuador. Or I'm going to Ecuador. And then they surprised me there, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, that was my, that was my first tournament. So we're pretty much in 20, we're in 2018. That's what I'll leave it for now, just because at least for that part, but I would rather just go off of questions <laughs> just because I spoke for a hot minute. What I love about soccer also, and I'm sure it's for other sports too, but I don't, I'm not like an avid, avid sports watcher. I like what I like and I'll watch that, but I love that every single person brings something to the team. And so there's not one person that's going to win the game. It's everyone. And even sometimes you need that teammate who's just like riling everyone up. Everyone, your team is down. And that person comes in and is like, guys, get up, dance, like whatever it is. Like those people are so important. And to have someone so young and have that mindset of like, I'm going to keep working. I understand if I don't make the team as much as I want to. Good luck. I root for you. And then you you make the team. I mean, it's just like such a a showcase of being determined, persevering through obstacles, because I feel like I watch soccer and every time someone falls to the floor, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like as a soccer player, because I've been wondering, I have two soccer related questions. As a soccer player, when you guys fall to the floor, is it sometimes like, oh, I'm going to fall to the floor, wait for the ref to like give the person a foul and then carry on? Or do you guys always fall and you're like, oh my gosh, did I hurt anything? Because I freak out anytime anyone hits the ground. <laughs> That's actually a funny question, especially in the para game, because in the para game, we're all physically impaired. And right. 99% of us, it's our balance. Right. So we fall 10 times more. Right. And there's definitely always that little bit of, okay, did they hit their head? Like if you hit the head, that's when it's like, okay, we need to deal with that. Because obviously a lot of the players have had traumatic brain injuries and any sort of hits the head are things where it's, you need to take care of that or the doctor needs to see you before you can go back and play. Yeah. And um, head injuries are always, always, always hyper-focused on when we play. But at the same time, it's very, it's the same as able-bodied where it's fall, get right back up and go. You fall and you go. If anything, we get up more because we fall more and it's just, oh, you fell down. Oh, you got a hard tackle. Oh, you got hit hard. doesn't matter. Get up. Yeah. Cool. All right. My second question. Every time I watch soccer, there's some players that are chewing gum on the pitch. And I'm like, how unsafe is it for you to be chewing gum while you play soccer? Am I, am I like crazy for thinking that? I'm going to give you an award right now because I've heard a lot of soccer questions in my life. Tons. tons. I have never been asked, do you chew gum when you play soccer? Or do you know anyone that does or anything related to gum? That's brilliant. 
I've never seen or heard of anyone playing numb, at least on the professional level, uh-huh. or at least in the para level or anything international. So, yeah, that's just something I'm not familiar with. Although Got it is funny because I mean, at the amateur level and that recreational and just people playing pickup, I'm sure that's very common. But yeah. <laughs> that's not something I give a really second thought about is chewing gum when you're playing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So then after, so now your dad is also very big in the field. And when we first spoke a few weeks ago, you were getting ready for your CP soccer. So you and your dad, I believe founded CP soccer. Um, I'm definitely not saying the the name. So you take it over. Oh, you are, you are. It's CP, CP soccer U.S. And it was my, myself, my dad, but also another family. And I have to always, always, always mention them because they do so much. My dad and I are the figureheads of the soccer aspect of it, but they make sure everything runs smoothly and ticks perfectly. And uh, they, they are the, uh, the Hallowell family. So Eli Hallowell, Levi Hallowell, uh, his son, who has CP as well, uh, Malka Hallowell, his daughter, and their wife er- and his wife, Erica. The Hallowell family have been amazing in in sort of cp soccer i mean they approached us with the idea of saying hey what if we started a soccer team for kids with cp because i have a son with cp you have a son with cp he plays for the national team he could be that figurehead or whatever it is and we'll see where it goes and where it went is just it's my favorite thing ever but yeah so the, my dad and i we are two of the four founders of cp soccer got it and so i mean I'm thinking about you as a young child playing with other able-bodied soccer players and not being able to keep up with them. And maybe someone who's not like you with that mental mindset of get up, keep going, you've got this. I'm sure there are so many children out there who are like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to play soccer the way I want to because the other kids can run faster and keep up and I can't. And then to have this is just, I mean, incredible. So you have the soccer camp and you said it's a week long, right? Yeah. So CP soccer is comprised of now we have locations all across the country that hold seasonal weekly practices. So we have in New Jersey is our first location. We also have New York. We also have, uh, we have locations in Texas. I have my own location in Clemson. Uh, we have Virginia, Maryland, all different locations. I don't know them all off the top of my head because thankfully we're growing. And then, of course, we have our yearly sleepaway summer camp, which is slightly different, but it's we go to a location. The past two years, we've gone to Golden Goal up in Lake George, New York, and it's just a sleepaway camp. But the thing is, everyone there has CP, except for a handful of staff, like my, my dad and Eli, and some parents come as well just to supervise. And everyone there is there to play soccer. Everyone there is there to just have fun, be a kid, play soccer, and fit in. Because like you said, these a lot of kids grow up in these situations where they don't fit in. They don't keep up, and they just stop playing. The only, I said in the very, very beginning, the, there is no cure for CP. The only thing you can do is preventative exercises, treatments, and the most effective treatment is activity, sports. That's why it was so beneficial for me to play soccer, and that's why it's so beneficial for other kids to play soccer as well because there's no curing it. So what happens is when they quit or they stop playing at eight, nine, 10 years old, 
because they just can't keep up. They get cut from the teams. Coaches say, listen, the kid can't run, so we're not going to take him on the team. It's not exactly the coach's fault. I don't blame anyone who says that. I mean, I'm a coach myself. If I had to choose between someone who could run and someone who couldn't, nine times out of ten, I'm choosing the person who can run. Uh, it's for a competitive, competitive sport or a competitive, competitive game. But at CP soccer, it's different because everyone is the exact same under that umbrella term of you have cerebral palsy, stroke, or TBI. And like you said, it's an umbrella term because there are also kids that are higher functioning. And there are also kids that are very lower functioning in terms of their physical ability. But at camp and at practices and everywhere, again, it's all lumped in together and everyone can share unique experiences because maybe there's something that someone who is more impaired can do better than someone who is less impaired. There's all these different things intermingling and the kids are learning from each other. It's my favorite place ever. Oh my gosh. Being with the kids of CP soccer is my favorite time ever. And honestly, just being around other people like me as well, because I didn't have that growing up, yeah. which is huge to be able to give that to them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Cause just, uh, you just see them have their own community. It's a totally different community. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's also, you know, different, it's different ages, right? What's, what's the youngest to oldest that you guys usually have? So for our summer camp, because it's a sleepaway camp and it's, it's a sleepaway camp, it's 10 through 18. And if you're older than 18, you can be a counselor or something. But for our normal practices, you can be honestly any age, 18 and younger. And that's the beautiful thing. These kids are growing up with a community that, you know, one day they have a question. They have so many people that they can reach out to and talk to them and not feel isolated or lonely. It's so unbelievably cool. And I'm just thinking about also these kids that get to look up to you and say, oh my gosh, he did it. He had this dream. I had this dream. He made it. It's such a beautiful thing to have someone to look up to and be inspired by. Do you ever like kind of sit back and say, I'm that like, it's how do you feel about being that person? I guess I should say. I try not to say it like that just personally. Cause I mean, it's kind of weird to say that about yourself in a way. Cause I you never imagine it being that way, but sometimes I do think back and sit. Cause when I was growing up, I didn't have that. I wish I had seen someone like that, that I could look up to because the only people that I looked up to in that regard were people on movie screens that had impairments. So Funny enough, my favorite character ever, one of my favorite characters ever, Luke Skywalker. Why? Because he got his arm chopped off. He had something that was holding him back that he had to overcome. Any character that from any movie ever that had something to overcome, I almost latched onto them because I thought, oh, that's something like me. Or, oh, he has some sort of injury or he has some sort of something. And now it's just weird to think that I am, I have been like that for a lot of kids it's just weird when I get messages from parents or for me, it's weird for them. It's completely normal. It's amazing. When I get messages from parents sometimes saying, Oh, we've, we've made a poster of you and we put it in his room. Cause that's what we wanted on his room. He didn't want Ronaldo. He didn't want Pulisic. He wanted Shay. And I go, okay, thanks. I, I'm not, I, I just, it's, it, it doesn't confuse me because I, it, I understand it. It's just so wild to me that it's me. Right. I mean, that's yeah. not, Oh man. It's what? <laughs> it's also because you're doing the thing that you wanted for so long and you're so passionate about it as crazy as it is that you're on the national team and like you 
your dreams are coming true. It's also quote unquote, like a normal thing now for you because it's, it's, it's your job. It's your thing. It's your passion. So to hear other people be like, oh my gosh, I have your Jersey. Like, I think about that all the time. I went to an NWSL game a few weeks ago and I was watching all these kids that they were lined up waiting for anybody who was a soccer player to come screaming their name. And of course, I mean, the players were amazing and wrote their names. And these kids, they were so excited about meeting these professionals. And I'm telling you, I'm 30 years old. It was my first NWSL game. I was sitting in like the third row and I think I spent the 90 minutes that I was there just mesmerized that professional athletes were in front of me. So I can only imagine like these young children growing up and being able to look at you or being able to go to a sleepaway camp with you and just being like, oh my gosh, like Shay's sitting at that table next to me eating. Like, but it, It's so crazy from the outsider's point of view, but also probably so weird and kind of like a whole other dimension for you. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just try to make it as I try to be just another one of them, just another, just another person with cerebral palsy just like them that they can look to and say, Hey, I have a question. I want to ask Shay because he's older and he knows a little bit about this. And I try not to be that celebrity type or whatever. I'm not famous or anything like that. I mean, I have 2000 Instagram followers. It's nothing crazy. I'm just me. I just try to be me and show these kids that, Hey, my biggest thing is I just try to show these kids, Hey, whatever you want to do, it's possible. And you can do that. Absolutely. And I do enjoy getting the messages from parents saying, Oh my gosh, so-and-so is so nice to meet you. So, so excited to meet you. He's been talking about camp for so long. Da, 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 da. He's followed you on Instagram. He's been watching. He watched every game at the World Cup. He did this, this, and this. And I just think, oh, wow, that's, that, that's great. But to me, when I go to camp, I'm not national team player Shea. Uh, yeah, it's mentioned to help all that stuff. And I think, oh, yeah, Shea played World Cup, whatever's like that. But there, I at my intro is... Hi guys, my name is Shay. You can call me Shay. You can call me coach. You can call me anything you like, as long as it's nice. Right. That's what I say. I say, you can call me Shay. You can call me coach. You can call me anything you like, as long as it's nice. Yeah. So that's my intro there. I don't go, oh, you have to call me Mr. Shay, the national team soccer player. Anything like that. No, that's not at all what I try to be at those camps. I just yeah. try to be just another person with cerebral palsy. Who had a dream and achieved it. And I can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on and chat with I love soccer. You're incredible. And it's just so nice to be able to bring more awareness to CP and being able to, as you said, achieve dreams if you put your mind to it and your heart is in it and you have enough passion and that we're all constantly overcoming obstacles and we just need to keep moving forward and find the community that, that helps us do that. So I, my last question is, besides the national team, what, what other dreams do you have? Or is that like the big one? And for CP, like, what is your, for Shay? I'll keep it concise somewhat. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, you're always shooting for the next thing. For me, I just want to be a national team player for as long as I can. I want to help inspire as many kids as possible that I can to, it doesn't have to be soccer, but just do something for yourself because Anyone with, dis- with a disability can do anything. And I always use person first language because they are a person with a disability, not a disability with a person. And it's huge to put that emphasis on it. 
Uh, but, but on a personal level, for me, one of my now goals and dreams is I want to be and continue to be a public speaker. Uh, I actually gave a TEDx talk recently on my journey. So I, uh, a lot of it overlaps with what we spoke about today. But if you'd like to check it out, uh, that's there. That's a definitely self-plug. Sorry no. uh, for, for self-plug there. But I definitely, but again, because I want to share my story across the United States, across the world, just kind of saying like, hey, these things are possible. Uh, these yeah. things are, and more are possible. And that's what I want to do. And then obviously keep growing CP soccer, uh, graduate college will be nice. Yeah. <laughs> finish that and just accomplish as much as I can at the national team level, but also just in the world of disability sports, both on oh. the field and off the field. Nice. I love it. Well, Shay, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. Um, I want to come check out a game. I want to come check out some, some soccer teams that are around here. Cause you said New York, though. I'm happy to come to Jersey too. So I'll have to check that out. Well, I'd love to invite you to a CP soccer practice when I'm there in the winter time. Cause I, when I'm away at school, obviously I can't coach from Clemson, but when I'm home in the winter time, hopefully we have a session or two and I'd love to invite you. Yes, um, please. Always looking to in, invite people to learn new things and show, and grow the game, grow experiences. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And as for the U.S. games, unfortunately, we don't oftentimes have games in the United States. And if we do, they are uh, in Florida or California or wherever there are fields. But if there are and uh, you're following along with the PNT or me, I'll, we'll always be saying when those will be. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your day. I'm glad that all of our pets were good. Yes, they stayed, they stayed quiet and they stayed asleep or whatever they were. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again. I'll keep in touch and enjoy your day. Of course. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Have a good day. <laughs>